0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Shannon Namaste, and I'm here to help you awaken your hidden talents and gifts that you're destined to share with the world. So, whether you're brand new to meditation, healing, regression, or well into your spiritual journey, this podcast will bring you the clarity that your heart has been seeking. You will hear beautiful and powerful stories from world renowned healers. And global change makers that will inspire you as you journey through your destined path. Join me as we dive in together. Hello, beautiful ones, and welcome back to another episode of Janet Namaste, the podcast. It is my honor to get to spend this time with you today. So, if you are new, welcome. And if you're an OG, then, um, So happy to have you back. You know, I know that there's a lot of podcasts and audio to choose from. So it means so much to me. I appreciate you tuning in. It really um, means a lot, you know, from the bottom of my heart. I hope you feel my heart and my genuine intention to help and guide. um, So you know that you are not alone. And um, all the resources and the tools that I share on this pod, I hope that it helps support in your evolution in you know your soul's journeys. Speaking about soul's journey, there is—I love how the universe conspires to—and conspiracy sounds so negative, but it really isn't. It's it really when it's meant to be, where when two souls meet, they will no matter where they are in the globe. So the conspiracy is the pre-birth plan of something of the unknown that we forget when we come on this planet Earth. Our memory is uh, being erased. But the memory of our soul when we hear someone's voice or we look in their eyes and there's this remembrance of just lifetimes of being together. And this is how I felt when I actually met our guest, Drupita McDonald. And such a cool story the way we met. Tripara, he is an extraordinary Vedic astrologer, also known as Jyotish, it's the science of light. And I'll give you the abridged version of how we met. So, a couple of years back, I attended this Menla retreat with Jaidev and the Life Force Academy. It was a Kundalini retreat, and he mentioned about Jyotish and about Vedic astrology, and I was so intrigued. Um, and I said, please share his information. You know, I really would love to have a session with him because, um, as you guys know, those that have been working with me for quite some time, um, I am not an astrologer, but for some reason, when I'm doing these transmissions and channelings on online or in private sessions, I tend to, um, tune into the constellations and planets and all of these different cosmic influences that we have and the reason why the con- we are the way we are today. It's like the constitution of our physicality and spirituality, mentalities. Um, so it's kind of cool. So I was so intrigued by this and I get a session about six months later because he's uber booked and I just love this guy. Like this, the the minute when we connected, he just vibes to the beat of the truth. So he's not interested in superficial fame. He's just here to really share his gift, his word, who for those people that are just ready to listen to it, you know, like to elevate their consciousness. So years ago, it's interesting when about 15 years ago, I had my own Vedic astrologer, who's a physician from India, and he was an Ayurvedic specialist. And I really wasn't prepared then, you know, and maybe perhaps it wasn't even it wasn't a connection. Here, the minute I connect it with a Drupid, I'm like, wow, I get this. I truly, truly get this. So here we are. Six months later after we connect, um, we get on Skype and I see you know this th- these blue eyes looking at me and right behind him, you know, and this, by the way, these blue eyes, it's just oceans and oceans of knowledge behind them. It's unbelievable. So right behind him, there's this picture of um, the one and only Paramahansa Yogananda. And we connect and I said, wow, is that Yogananda behind you? And he's like, yeah, you know, um, you know, that is are you familiar with his work I'm like yeah of course I am you know I read his book you know a couple of years ago and my friends are disciples of um, of Paramahansa Yogananda and he said really who are your friends I'm like oh you wouldn't know them you know they they're in Italy and um, he's like, No, who are they? <laughs> um, we're in Italy, in Assisi. And I'm like, Yes, in Assisi. So turns out, my friends, which you're going to hear another episode, um, if you haven't already, of Cecilia and Vivek of um, Kriya Healing, they're amazing. We met many years ago at, at Dr. Brian Weiss's seminar up in Omega. And they happen to be friends with Jupiter, you know, with the Jupiter, they both studied Kriya, all all three of them studied Kriya yoga together, their teacher was Swami Kriyayanda. And it was unbelievable, because he just spent the summer at their home in Assisi. And it's just unbelievable. So when you're meant to meet you know, someone you will, you know, the universe works in such in serendipitous events when you're aligned with your destiny, when you let go of the expectations, perhaps of what we um, think we deserve or what we feel that we need, but starting to trust and surrender. And if you just ask, you shall receive, you'll receive an incredible teacher, an incredible gift you know when you least expect. So, I truly hope that you love this this podcast as much as I loved speaking with Jupiter and sharing this um, with you all. As you know, that I am devoted to my life. You know, to besides my family and and love and sharing my knowledge. But I love. I'm a forever student, and Jupiter is not only just an incredible. Teacher, the wisdom. He's such an incredible storyteller, but I love that he is a forever student as well of life. You know, he devoted his life to study and to teaching others about um, the different ways to extract the deeper meaning of life. It's truly healing and inspiring. So I hope you enjoy the show. And until We meet again, namaste. So hello and welcome and today we have a special guest. We have Jupiter McDonald and he began his spiritual search in 1981 at the age of 22 when he began studying the teaching of Paramahansa Yogananda. And by the age of 23 he moved to Ananda Village in California founded by Swami Kriyananda based on Yogananda's teachings and the practice of Kriya Yoga. So also at this time he began his... Um, study of astrology, which probably started as just a hobby. But in 1989, he moved to the Ananda Sisi Center in Italy, where he began to give astrology readings and classes. And since 1995, Jupiter has been a full-time astrologer. He's given over 10,500 readings and and he's going, he keeps on going. And his goal is to use the sacred stellar science as a guide for spiritual growth and transformation. And right now he's living in Nevada City in California and he travels extensively, although I'm sure this year you weren't able to in 2020, now 2021, um, hopefully that'll open up. And with his travels, he's there really serving his heart-centered base gift and he teaches astrology and gives classes with all of his heart and um i truly welcome you here today Jupiter. it's an honor to actually speak to you i know that we were trying to connect months behind you know before this but destiny has it that it was supposed to be today on the 10th of march and Maybe something astrologically is going on that it was meant for us to speak on this specific day. So welcome, welcome. It's an honor.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you here today. So so what are we going to talk about?
0: Oh, what are we going to talk about? I feel like I could speak to you for hours and hours and hours. So... Um, I want to speak about of how your, you know, like it's almost like your spiritual awakening has transpired because prior to this, we were speaking about how your sport was basketball, and I want to know how your path of your soul's purpose, how you found it, like your, you know, was you were you on a quest, or how destiny put the specific people, the situations, and how you got to what you're doing today.
1: Uh, That's a fun story. Uh, I was a sports guy when I was young, and uh, I settled on basketball when I got into junior high school, and that was really kind of like my first spiritual practice, because uh, I could spend hours and hours alone uh, perfecting uh, my shot. So it was like kind of like doing meditation technique or something, and uh, I went to basketball camps and things like that. But I didn't know it was a spiritual practice. I was just, you know, diving into it deeply like a lot of young people do when they get into something. And when I wasn't playing basketball, my main goal was to have fun with my friends. And uh, it was the 70s and uh, kind of a free spirited time. Uh, but then a couple things happened. Uh, we lost the state championship by a couple points. And I had been injured and was only a shadow of myself. Uh, A good friend of mine rose to the occasion and almost was the hero and won the day. But on the bus ride home from the championship game, you know, many of the people on the bus were just talking about, like, where's the party? What's next? And I realized I just put my heart and soul into this, and it didn't really matter. (laughs) It's like like I was... uh, I was dying a thousand deaths and uh, and everyone else was like, what's next? So I kind of uh, segued gradually away from sports and kind of had a little bit of a hippie philosopher searching time for a little bit and then uh, uh, had a d- disappointment of the heart in my early 20s that really brought out the philosopher in me mm-hmm. and uh, and by the I didn't know I had a strong spiritual side. I don't think I ever thought thought about astrology. I can't remember thinking about it one time uh, before I showed up at a yoga retreat when I was 23 and a half and uh, met some people there, you know, at retreat centers. You meet all sorts of people at interesting stages in their life, you know, big changes, divorces, uh, awakenings. And so. I met some really interesting people. One of them did an informal uh, horoscope for me because she wasn't an astrologer per se. She was an extremely mystical person, but astrology is just a little bit of a hobby for her. And she did that for me, and that's what turned on the switch. And uh, that I was 23 and a half, and the switch never got turned off. So, uh, so. Uh, I went from being kind of a sports technician because I was kind of an expert semi-prototype and, uh, then it, got, it got shifted over, uh, shifted over into a different type of engineering. And you could call astrology, the energetic engineering of life. Like everything that exists, everything that happens are energies and different combinations and, uh, I just have a nature that wants to understand that for some reason. So I got the switch turned on and, uh, started a hobby. And after about seven years, friends started asking me for, to look at their charts or their kids charts. And I was living in a spiritual community with 350 people. So they were all interested in stuff like, like that. Uh, and it just took off. Uh, so, uh, I'm almost 65 and I never got a career. <laughs> my hobby, my hobby became my career and a few more years and then I'll have eluded the whole career process. Just give me a few more years. So my hobby became my career. So it's a, it's been a, pl- a blessing really. Uh, and I'm happy to share whatever I've learned and yeah. the learning always goes on. You don't ever arrive. It just continues, you know, so.
0: The more, the more you think you know, and you have the aha moment and all of a sudden you're reading and you're like, wait, I really don't know anything. There's so much more. <laughs> There's so much more that's that's out there. And that goes with like astrology. It's like almost like the GPS coordinates of your highest potential, right? Um, but where did you where did you actually grow up? Where were you born?
1: I grew up in the Washington, DC, Maryland suburbs. So Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was an East Coast, Mid-Atlantic, D.C. guy. And uh, it was a good place to be. Uh, I had a real mixed population in my school because we had a lot of diplomat kids. So we had uh, uh, about... almost 50-50 white and a mixture of minorities. And then the whites were about one-third hippies, one-third jocks, and one-third blending of those two. So it was like uh, all diversity, <laughs> all diversity in my school. It was a pretty cool place to grow up. The, the,
0: the hybrid, you know, the hybrid of the 70s over there, you know, that's, um, well, actually, it's, it's, it wasn't, was it with the 70s?
1: Yeah, I graduated yeah. in 1976. Uh, high school was uh, 74, 75, 76. And uh, yeah, so most of, I went to my first high school reunion a few years ago. I was too busy being in this, in California, in a spiritual community and doing all this stuff. So I never went to like the 5, 10, 15, 20. The first one I went to was the 40th year. Uh, and uh, and I showed up. Some of my you know good friends I'd seen a few times, but uh, I show up after forty years, and it's like the aliens had brought me back from like a, a journey. They all they all had rumors that I had you know you know become a Jesus freak and found God and lost my mind and all that. And uh, when I told them <laughs> it was yoga and Vedic astrology, it didn't really change it. It was still like i was from another planet but after 40 years of working on myself they all really liked me uh and even if they didn't understand at all what i was doing because my friends are like you know high government officials and doctors and lawyers and you know it's a a dc suburbs place where people were pretty fortunate so yeah it's interesting because uh It doesn't people didn't know what I was doing, but they could see they remember me from 40 years ago. And I had a, you know, a a visible kind of role in the school because I was an athlete. So I kind of disappeared and came back 40 years later.
0: (laughs) 40 years later, it's like the resurrection of of, you know, Drupada, you know, coming coming out with, you know, this yogi, you know, yogi knowledge. But how at H. You know, obviously when we have a heartbreak, when we have these wake up calls in our life, we end up like going into the doors of philosophy that there's something deeper than this because this is so painful and it's through these vulnerable moments. But what happened at age 22 that you awoken you to um, the study of Paramahansa Yogananda?
1: Well, I did have a relationship breakup that I didn't expect, but it was a blessing. It didn't seem like a blessing at the time. And, and uh, it, uh, it was kind of shocking. Uh, and uh, it just made me start questioning everything. you know. And uh, so uh, that's right at the age when you're supposed to choose a life path. And uh, I was in college and I uh, found the book Autobiography of a Yogi and started reading it. I read it pretty quickly, and uh, I got on the bus and went to California, <laughs> four days and four I just and and, uh, and uh, showed up at uh, Grass Valley, California, which is nearby, where the Ananda community, which is a Harmanza Yogananda community, with a with just a a vague idea that I'd ask around where it was and hitchhike out there. And it was a Sunday night in February, raining, about nine or 10 p.m. I got off the bus and there was this guy standing there. And I went up to him and I said, have you ever heard of Ananda? And he said, I'm from Ananda. And he was from their retreat center there to pick up someone else who was on the same bus, so I got I got a, r- a ride straight to the retreat facility that very night. So it was a nice uh, kind of uh, affirmation or, or uh, sign that I was in the right place doing the right thing.
0: And where where did you guys sleep? Like, was it like a kibbutz kind of um, community? Is that what it, where um,
1: what, no, the- were there the Ananda community is a community. It's not a commune. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, people uh, have their own houses, their own jobs. They make little economies. They create cottage industries. People become carpenters. There's a, so, there was a solar energy company. There's a little market. There's a school. So um, the people, it's, no one has to do anything. It's a very, uh, you can come and go. Uh, you, no one is keeping you there but uh, obviously when you go to the retreat facility that's a little different because that's where people go to have mm-hmm. their first experience of the place and take a course or two and so what happened for me is I was a, I was a student taking a program for six weeks and uh, We agreed both sides that, you know, kind of felt like my place. So I got hired to be on staff and uh, be on the maintenance staff. And I uh, actually became a cook. And then later on, I became a woodcutter, which was kind of a joke because I was from suburban suburbia Washington. Washington. <laughs> so, um, but anyway uh, you learn a lot when you go to a place like that you learn how to do everything and uh, you, no one cares if you've done it before that you if you become a cook and you have to cook dinner for 50 or 60 or 100 people they say here's the cookbook good luck uh, and that's how you learn how to pray <laughs> <laughs>
0: that you didn't over-salt or undersalt or that you cooked it yeah, all
1: the way. exactly, exactly. So, so anyway, it was, uh, it was really like jumping down uh, like Alice in Wonderland, a hole, you know. And uh, so you get caught up in that world and uh, doing what you do. And uh, I was a cook. That was my day job for seven years because my mother was a very good cook and I like to eat and I had to do something and turned out construction wasn't really my thing because I was too philosophical. I wanted to think about the meaning of everything and they just wanted me to pound in the nails and move to the next board. And I was like thinking, what does the nail mean? What does the board mean and why are we here? And so my my, uh, life in the construction uh, world was just about two houses. and then i moved into cooking it was
0: was (laughs) short-lived
1: yeah where where i wonder
0: if those houses still exist
1: they do they do because i'm good friends with the 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 man i worked for is now one of the founding members of the ananda cc in italy community and he lives there he's one of the elders there so so we tell tell stories about the old days whenever we see each other, you know, so uh, I contributed to him getting gray hair because I was too slow and he was calculating his profit going up in smoke. So we always laugh about that. So, but being slow is good for meditation. So
0: exactly, uh, (laughs) exactly. So anyway,
1: uh, I, I had a switch turn on from, you might say, uh, athlete to uh, spiritual seeker in my early 20s. And astrologically, it was right on schedule because Jupiter in in Sanskrit is called Guru, and his orbit around the sun is 12 years. And uh, so every 12 years is an opportunity for spiritual growth cycle. And uh, so around the age of 24 is one of those big times and that for me, it was 23 and a half is when that happened. And that's what got me from the East Coast to a spiritual community in California.
0: That's Um, interesting. That is so interesting. It's like the age of 12, you know, we, um, a boy, a girl, like we all go through the threshold, right? Of from childhood to adolescence, to teenage, it's like, who am I? And then from 12 to 24, it's now, okay, this is adulthood. This is now we're going to probably also in a different astrological period. Like you mentioned, um, which I want to segue into the Vedic astrology that at different periods of our time when we're born, we're what in the Mercury phase and then we go and to different aspects right and um but just to rewind a little bit before we get into the astrology aspect just for our viewers that aren't familiar with the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda which that truly um that book changed my life it really did um each line that I've read in that book it was so profound it's like um it's like for instance, there could be a word in a different language, that one word, it's so difficult to get lost, it gets lost in translation. And you have to, there's a soliloquy of that one word. And the way Yogananda wrote, I mean, I would read a sentence, and it took like, it was just like a whole entire universe opened up with just one line. So that book truly changed my life. But can you tell our viewers of what is the study of Kriya yoga, and how it opened up the pathway of you studying Vedic astrology?
1: That's an excellent question. There's a lot packed into it. <laughs> so if you want to start with the very beginning of why Yogananda came to the West, Uh, that uh, there's a guru in India who's called Babaji and he's the guru of gurus and no one will meet him unless they're very blessed. He lives in the Himalayas but uh, his students are gurus themselves, world teachers. And Jesus appeared to him in the Himalayas and said, in the Western culture, the followers of his uh, path had forgotten how to have inner communion with the Lord and that they were mostly concerning themselves with good works, with service. Uh, And he asked for someone to be sent to the West who would teach the science of inner communion so that you could Mm. actually have a living relationship with the divine consciousness and not just serve it. And the person that Babaji sent was Paramahansa Yogananda Uh, and and he arrived in uh, 1920 uh, and uh, uh, with no real contacts, just an invitation to speak at a religious conference. Uh, And he gradually, uh, he toured the country for uh, all of the twenties. He invented the mobile home and he toured the country And he was a dignitary like the Rolling Stones or the Grateful Dead. He was super famous traveling around uh, America and met the president and others. And thousands and thousands would come to see this Hindu Swami. And uh, he would sometimes do miraculous things in public just to stir the the interest. Uh, And uh, so anyway, his main purpose was to show the fundamental equivalence of the teaching original teachings of christ and the original teachings of krishna and that how uh spiritual teachings if you go to their core are universal Uh, and uh, and that uh, there might be some cultural differences because you're speaking to different people with different histories in their you know society But that was his main uh, thrust. And so um, Kriya Yoga is a pranayama technique that brings the, uh, in a systematic, methodical way, the power of the kundalini from the muladhara chakra to the ajna chakra. So uh, it is, uh, I say pranayama technique, but it's done like a, Preparation for meditation. It leads you into meditation, and uh, and so when I got initiated into Kriya Yoga, uh, for some karmic reason, I was always thinking, how does this interact with the knowledge of astrology, uh, and how uh, because in the Kriya Yoga tradition, and this is not something generally known. Maybe some esoteric groups know it. It might be some secret knowledge here and there, but it's not known across the board by everybody in Hinduism that the chakras in yoga, in the planets, in astrology are just two ways about talking about the same thing. You see, so, mm-hmm. so, so when you know that, and then you look at your horoscope and you see where your planets are, you can tell where the energies are in your chakras what's strong what's weak what's blocked what's not blocked and then with practice you can see how the inner magnetism in your own like energy centers how it projects outward and creates the experiences of Mm -hmm. your life you see so it's like it's like your own astral spinal column is a it's kind of like going to Disneyland and you get that 360-degree movie that you can go to where uh, it's not spherical. You can't look up and down, but it's like uh, you look forward and you see what's in front of you. You look behind you and you see what's behind you. I, I was there a long time ago, and that was a balloon ride in, uh, in the China, in the rural part of China. Well, your, your karma, people talk about karma, but they often don't know where that karma is, that karma is stored as seeds of energy, uh, what are called vortices, little, little like little teeny tornadoes of energy that are in your own chakras, and uh, and uh, so Kriya Yoga's objective is to purify and release the energy of those vortices so that uh, kundalini can rise through that. And combining it with astrology is a very, very interesting. It's a, it's a pioneering work. Like I said, it's not you can't go buy a book about that. Uh, but from the very beginning of my initiation into Kriya Yoga uh, and my astrology starting at the same time, just a few months separate, I was always exploring how these things go together. So while I have studied Vedic astrology and I'm heavily influenced by Vedic astrology, what I do more accurately would be called yogic astrology that Mm -hmm. is heavily influenced by Vedic astrology. So it's been a kind of research project, the whole one, because there was nobody I could go to and say, how is it? I'd have to uh, uh, just ponder it and think about it and pray about it, and uh, I did an awful lot of that for a long time.
0: <laughs> so. you know, it's it's pretty amazing because it's almost like this is the modern mystic going back to the esoteric knowledge and what you're you know what it seems like is that. Um, give me one moment. Okay. So it seems to me like um, with this, the, the modern philosopher, the modern mystic going back to real esoteric knowledge of what was, you know, when we when the universe was first created, how all of these planets, depending on when the person is born, like, correct me if I'm wrong, um, this is a westerner, right? Um, there are certain GPS coordinates and each specific coordinates is, um, an aspect of our potential, right? Of our, uh, optimum potential. And we are born in that specific day, the specific time within a specific place that has the specific, um, environment, the field, so we could carry on what we came here on this planet earth. But the karma is, energetic imprints that are in our body fields that goes up and down the kundalini correct
1: well uh that would be what we would want but sometimes the karma is blocking the flow of the kundalini mm. by being uh just little knots of energy in your chakra so that would depend on what type of karma you had because if you were like a yogi and you had yogi karma then you might have a really good flowing energy and the knots would be very little but if you were an, an, a person full of inertia and heaviness then the blocks would be pretty significant you see so so there's you know people at all stages of their learning and growing and so uh uh everyone is what you described is very close to what yogananda's guru uh, whose name was Swami Sri Yukteswar. And he was an astrologer. I guess we should say is. He's not in a human body anymore, but he's not. But he had that mm-hmm. type of mind that was an astrology mind because he was a master of wisdom. And uh, astrology is kind of like energy engineering. And so uh, if you have a mathematical mind, it may appeal to you. Although a master doesn't need astrology, because his intuition will function whether it does the math or doesn't do the math. You see, the intuition will just come to the answer and doesn't have to do A plus B equals C. It'll just say C, you know. But if you've got a mathematical mind, then you might want to know every step of the journey. A plus B equals C. And you kind of knew that, but you like to know all the little steps and how everything interacts so anyway Sri Yukteswar said that the horoscope is a challenging portrait that shows the unalterable past and the probable future uh-huh. uh, and, uh, and if you were to go to India and find an experience of astrology, which wouldn't be that hard to do because astrology is a part of Hinduism. It's, it's uh, part of their religion. So imagine if you went to like a synagogue or the Catholic church and asked for an astrology reading, that's how it is in India. And uh, a few centuries ago in the Catholic church, you might get burned at the stake because astrologers are warlocks <laughs> to some, right. to, to some, to some, traditional view people but in india you will find a temple uh, an altar in the big temples not little temples but in the big temples you'll find an altar to the nine planets uh, and uh, and it'd be like a little yantra and each and that's an altar to the nine rays of energy that are the building blocks of creation that the creator uses to make everything that exists in different Recipes, you might say. So what Sri Yukteswar says is a person is born at that time and that place when the energy in that moment of that location is in mathematical harmony with their individual karma for that life. Uh, It's the law of magnetism. Like attracts like. A A happy person will be born at a happy moment. An abundant person will be born at an abundant moment. A sad person will be born at a sad moment, not because it's punishment, not because it's reward. It's the power of magnetism. Whatever is going on inside of you, you will draw that to you in the outside. Uh, Then, then he says, it shows the unalterable past, meaning what you did in the past is in the history books. You you, will... you can't get in a time machine and go back and change it as as interesting a science fiction story as that would be. Uh, if it's already done, we have the the result of those actions is going to return to us. If you've been loving, love will come to you. If you've been violent, violence will come to you. It's it's uh, at the right time. But most people become what my guru, Parmanza Yogananda said, by the age of 40, 50 or so, he says they start becoming psychological antiques because you start freezing your likes and your dislikes. You start freezing your opinions. You start saying, this is what I believe. It takes too much effort Mm -hmm. to rethink it. I don't want to be flexible or elastic. I want to be fixed. And when you become fixed in your horoscope, it's kind of like, Concrete going from liquid to hard, you, you see. And so when you've gotten hardened in your horoscope, then your reactions to different energy moments is very predictable. You see, so when so when people become, you know, so much the same, then and then you'd say, well, what would happen if someone started a political conversation? And you know exactly how they'll react, because it's an emotional reaction that's rather strong. So then the unalterable past will simply repeat its pattern, and it will become true again in the present. Uh, and, And the present is the field of action where we're making our future, whatever we think and do now. Is what was making our future, but most people's future is created by their programming from the past, uh, and and you have to, you. But it doesn't have to be that way because he show he says it shows the unalterable past and the probable future, uh, and if you like jam your foot in the door and don't let the door close, and you say, wait a second, I want to understand my self my energy my potential every energy in astrology has an expert level and a beginner's level you know like mars can be anger and mars can be courage if a person has a very strong mars they might express both of those things on the same day depending (laughs) on, on, on whether they were having a good moment or a bad moment if they were becoming aware of that They would keep an eye on it and they would encourage the upward flowing, lighter, more free level. And they keep an eye on the on the level that would be self-destructive, not for not from a morality point of view, but from a spiritually pragmatic point of view. Because when you express your planets in a positive way, the very least you will do is make good karma. And good karma will lift you up. And the only thing better than good karma is no karma. So no karma, doing the will of God perfectly, pure grace, is better than good karma. Good karma is better than bad karma. Bad karma will teach you the hard way by, by the universe getting out to stick and hitting you over the head. Uh, and, uh, but the universe wants to talk to you and say there's a better way if you listen. So anyway, your description, I don't know if you've been reading, if you reread the autobiography <laughs> to, pre- to prepare for the interview, but but your your description was quite close to what oh, Sri wow. Teshwar what, what he said. Uh, and uh, I often say in classes that all of our hopes are on the difference between unalterable past and probable future, uh, he was a great yogi, and one of his teachings is: if you're making the, he says that past of all of all people are dark with many shames. Forget mm-hmm. the past. If you are making the right spiritual effort now, everything in the future will improve. You see, so so uh, so it doesn't really matter what happened ten years ago, or if you're super present even five minutes ago or a minute ago because you have a new chance to get it right right now you see so and and if you understand the energies of your horoscope uh, some planets are called benefic Uh, that means benevolent some planets are called malefic that means challenging it doesn't mean good and bad although most people would think of it that way would you rather have a vacation in Hawaii or do a liver cleanse. you know, like uh, you see. So the vacation in Hawaii for most people would be attractive and that would be a benefic experience.
0: Hello, beautiful angel. So I just wanted for you to take a moment to pause and just take a deep breath in and exhale and just tune into the awareness the space that's right in between the inhale and exhale and allow your beautiful soul to listen to the voice that's inside your heart for it always always knows the truth it always knows the way back home to you it's the gps of your eternal your vibrant light So. Beautiful soul, let me ask you a question. Like, have you ever felt disconnected to what was in your 3D world, what appears to be your 3D world, and what you know is your potential? And if you have, like, did you ever have this aha moment, this spiritual awakening, and then ask, oh my God, what do I do with it now? So if you have been seeking a deeper meaning, to your life's purpose or soul guidance or want to know the signs and what they mean and how to navigate through from this moment on then I have the perfect place for you and this is called the soul star community this is something where I this has been my my dream of mine for so long because truly in the past few years as the entire globe shifted Like, Don't you feel that now like we're in this accelerated version of Earth School and we need to constantly adjust and process all of our experience in like this rapid pace, like all these life lessons into like a total brand new rebirth, which is happening every single moment. It's not just every year on our birthday. It seems like it's every day. You're not the same person you were yesterday. So this brand new rebirth is actually happening worldwide. You know, this has been quite the journey and we're evolving, we're truly evolving into the real us. And throughout my own life's journey, I've experienced numerous rebirths and incredible miracles that were accompanied by the divine, of course, like quantum healings of my own, my own family members and the tens of thousands of clients that I have had the honor of facilitating healings. So through the past few years, I have awakened more and more, like even more than I thought I could even imagine to the core of who I truly am. And I know from this moment on as I took a vow that for the new continuous spiritually evolving me, that whatever role or energy that I surround myself with It will only be one that is congruent to what my heart feels right. It's all about purposeful living and about surrounding myself with the right vibe, with the right beautiful community. And I just wanted to take a minute to invite you to this perfect nurturing space that I have created. It's called the Soul Star Membership. So this is a private VIP exclusive community for you angels that listen to the podcast, you know, that have followed me on the gram and that have been with me for quite some time. So even if this is your first time tuning in and your heart's resonating with what the pod is about, what my vibration is all about, what this whole entire message is, then check it out. Because every single month, the way that it's going to be structured is I'm going to be channeling in the energy transmission, the energy forecast of the month. And if you tune in live, you get an energy healing as well. So even if you don't show up live, don't even worry about it. It's going to be, everything is recorded on your portal. You have tons of meditations. We have incredible speakers and masterclasses, beautiful transmissions and channelings of the month. Like you're going to receive... The most beautiful, beautiful PDF books every single month that you can grow and evolve with. It's basically like having your own measurable spiritual action plan. Like there's a coach, a spiritual angel that is right by your side as you are in this like beautiful membership. It's an incredible community that is global. And I've been in this realm of work over 20 years professionally, which is wild to me. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. And throughout the two decades of my professional experience as um, an energetic healer and um, the Four Clairs, I honestly have met the most incredible human galactic souls, truly. and they are all part of the community. So I invite you to join in and to be a part of this beautiful community. There are people from all over the world. So just check it out. It's, you can find me at Janet Namaste slash Soul Star. And for you loyal listeners of the pod, just type in the code JNPOD for an additional 10% off the membership. Your heart, your soul, and the beautiful people that you're gonna be surrounded with will 100% be grateful for the choice that you made. So I am looking forward to meeting you, beautiful being.
1: The number one benefic is Jupiter, whose name in Sanskrit is guru. guru. And the number two benefic is Venus, uh, who is the planet of the heart. Jupiter is considered the number one benefic, but Venus is the most popular planet because she's the planet of enjoyment and people like to enjoy. But if you enjoy too much without wisdom, you'll have too many brownies or make some bad choices and end up uh, having to learn the hard way. So Jupiter's wiser usually, (laughs) not always, than Venus. Uh, Instead uh, of of
0: overindulgence. uh,
1: yeah, they will uh, basically create uh, harmonious energy, usually, and not always, but usually. And the king of the malefics is Saturn.
0: Oh yeah, bit. I uh, know in all India. about that.
1: <laughs> and in India, they you know they speak of Saturn like with hushed tones, like he's uh, like an evil being is gonna like come and mess up your life. But Saturn's not trying to do any harm to anybody. All Saturn does is insist. On clarity and responsibility, and if you're if you're willing to be clear and to take, I mean, it's hard maybe to admit that whatever happened in your life, somehow in some way is karma that you made. Yeah. Somewhere, uh, and sometimes we've gone through some really hard things, and it's hard to understand uh, what we could have done to go through a hard thing, uh, but it's impossible for it not to be karma. But if we accept that and say, okay, I may not understand what happened, who did what to whom and all of that, but somehow it has my name on it, I accept it, you know, then you'll get to the good part, which is uh, what you're doing now is making your future, you see. So the Saturn is the planet who wants you to be thinking 10 years in advance. You see, like what uh, what I do now, when that energy returns to me, ten years from now, am I going to be happy about that choice, or am I going to be, or am I going to be uh, unhappy about it? So, for example, every time you give love to the universe, the universe will give love to you sooner or later. Every time you are generous to the universe, the universe will be generous to you. Blaming the opposite political party for all your problems is there's no spiritual wisdom in that at all, blaming your parents or your ex-spouse or whoever. Uh, it's more correct to say that we somehow were in that karmic scenario together and that we might have you know, played a role in each other's experience and learning. But in the end, Saturn says it's your karma, so improve it. Uh, and when you, yeah. make, when you make peace with that, that's like becoming a spiritual uh, a student or a disciple. And you say, I'm, I'm here to learn. How, how does life really work? So when you do that, Saturn is no longer uh, just a taskmaster who's tough. He's like uh, a teacher who's really profound. The great yogis don't think of Saturn as a, a negative energy but they do know he's demanding you know so if you wanted to go to the olympics and get a gold le- uh, medal in the gymnastics you'd get some coach who would you know tell you that you're not even going to come close if you're exactly. only doing, if you're only doing eight hours a day don't don't even bother me you know this is 12 hours a day uh you know every day for years and then you become uh, get a perfect tan on the one of the, you become famous, you know? So Saturn is simply the work ethic and the responsibility. So, anyway, in astrology, a Vedic astrology, the word Vedic is referring to the Vedas, which are the most ancient scripture known to humanity, spiritually speaking. Uh, and, and the uh, scholars might say the Vedic period might have been four or five, they might even say 6,000 years ago. But uh, there's reason to believe and evidence that says this much older than that, you know, maybe eight, maybe even 10,000 years ago. And uh, when we say Vedic astrology, we basically mean the astrology that comes from ancient India. But we don't really know if it's exactly Vedic because the Vedic period is so far back there. Right. We don't really know what they did. So, in a more general way, when we say Vedic, we mean the knowledge that comes from the source of Indian knowledge. And Mm. so, for example, you can can study the horoscope of Lord Rama. And Lord Rama was a a master that lived something like, he was a king and a a master, spiritually. And he lived something like 5,000 years ago, maybe a little further back. And they have his horoscope in the public record because the same astrology was being done then as now, more or less. The horoscope of Lord Krishna is known also. Wow. So uh, so uh, it tells you that this has been going on for a long time. And the backbone of Vedic astrology for prediction, because that's what they focus on, uh, was Asian culture focuses a lot on the fact of reincarnation and yes. rebirth. And, and Yogananda, for example, said, if you're a serious spiritual seeker, you might have lived already one million human lives searching for joy, and you've tried everything. And uh, and the first line of the ancient uh, scripture of Pantajali, the yoga... Uh, yoga scriptures of uh, uh, Pantajali, the very first line he says is, and now we come to the study of yoga. And he means yoga in the sense of self-realization, not yoga in the sense of getting your body really fit. Uh, And what he means is, after thousands of lifetimes of looking for happiness, trying power and romance and money and this and that and any possible thing that anybody could think is going to do it for them and even if you get it after 50 60 70 80 90 years you it all slips through your fingers again and again as your time runs what? out then you finally come to well what's the what's the only thing I can find that I would never lose, uh, and that's when you look within. Look within. So, and now we come to the study of yoga. And so, so uh, Indian astrology has been around a long time, but the majority of people in India are using it to enhance their material life. Uh, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, out of 1,000 people, one uh, maybe is uh, seeking me. And out of 1,000 who are seeking me, one perhaps knows me as I truly am. So he's saying one out of 1,000 is searching for wisdom. One out of a million maybe has ultimate wisdom. So, but in India, astrology is widely accepted. So, the 999 are using astrology to protect their health, or enhance their uh, success, or to uh, bring positive energies. Marriages,
0: they they do all
1: of that. All of that, which isn't wrong. Nothing wrong with it, but it's kind of tweaking. You're trying to tweak duality to get more of the benefic energy and less of the. <laughs> energy. Uh, and and uh, you know we all do it. We do we it, know, yeah. But we know that in the end, you know, unless you're you know a maha yogi, you're gonna have to leave your body, and that's the ultimate challenge. But Krishna also says in the Bhagavad Gita that a yogi is one who does not distinguish between auspicious and inauspicious occurrences because if you're you're one if you're the one out of a thousand then god is both the light and the shadow you see and and if you say only the enjoyable part is the divine and you're try to avoid the challenging part well it's really kind of amazing how that challenging part will find you over and over and over again but if you say hey, when a a sweet moment comes, I'll enjoy the sweetness. When a challenging moment comes, I'll do the work. Uh, And uh, both are part of life. Then you're saying that Jupiter, who is usually teaching with inspiration, grace, and blessings, and Saturn, who is often hitting you over with a head with a a stick to make you see where you're being unconscious or or self-destructive, but it's all good it doesn't it's not maybe equally enjoyable on the human ego level but it's it's all good so i approach astrology from that point of view because no planet if the planets are the chakras uh, all of them relate to the chakras or the nadis uh, you can't say that one of your chakras is bad because all your chakras have a job to do and if you if you cut off a chakra you would be like daffy duck who would fly away until like, right right you know? so, so when you look i learned astrology by meditating yes i read books and i read different authors description of planetary energies but then I would also meditate on the chakra that that planet was associated with on the element that that planet was, uh, uh, of that chakra and that planet. And I would pray a lot about it. And, uh, and it was a slow process, but insights would come, uh, from within. And then I could see the truth of it. Uh, and that, uh, you know, that was taking time, but now it's been a long time. So it's sort of second nature to me now. So, uh, But anyway, so I like to, again, call it what I do, yogic astrology. And uh, and so I, I don't think of any planet or any sign as less divine or less spiritual. Each one has its job to do. Uh, and, uh, and if you learn it well, there is a blessing in everything, each house, each sign, each planet. Some planets definitely are harder to get the blessing from. There's no doubt about that. You, definitely. You know, so, uh, but there's always a blessing. And the, uh, so that's, you could say that uh, my journey in astrology and my journey in uh, the spiritual life is—it's kind of like an experience of spiritual archaeology, because okay. it's not—it's not enough to learn all the planets, all the signs, all the houses, because you'll only learn them on a certain level. Uh, if you want to be an astrologer, you have to understand the sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic potential of everything, because you're going—your client is going to be. Somewhere in that journey, you know, like uh, if you have Mars and he's tamasic, he'll be very destructive, like an alcoholic or a drug addict or something. You see, and uh, but if he's rajasic sattvic, he'll be like a spiritual warrior, which would be quite amazing. You see, so and it's the same energy, it just depends on is that energy going inward and upward in your astral spinal column, or is it going downward and outward primarily you know like if a person is very vata the first step for them to grow might need might be going down energy going downward and outward to get grounded you see but that would only be to get their feet on the earth so that then they could get more inward and upward energy you see so so it's a little bit of a simplification to say that it's only inward and upward because if someone is very vata in ayurveda then they need grounding you know you can't just give them like coffee they'll fly away
0: (laughs) yeah too much (laughs) wind too much wind too much
1: much wind yeah so uh so anyway does that make sense oh my god
0: it totally makes sense but there's so many like um there's so many beautiful like um spiritual spiritual nuggets as i would call it that i've got got from from your explanation and it's so beautiful and it almost feels like the benefic and the malefic like they They come together. It's almost like Saturn and Jupiter come together to create like the universe. And then they have these little babies, which are the other planets that create the field of reality, depending on when you uh, in human body go through depending on your karmic disposition like it's like almost like the car, Saturn the the strict parent all about responsibility and Jupiter which is that parent that I love you it's the grandparents you know the grandparent is always the loving the, the parent is the one that has to be strict and it isn't always easy so it seems like the Parents is the Saturn and the grandparents is the Jupiter that is the wiser but not that Saturn isn't wise it just is all about it reminds me of my eastern European father that it was had to be done not the you know it's the the proper way to learn you have to learn you have to learn don't be lazy he used to tell me don't you know don't try the easy route you know make sure you read make sure you know that when when um in high school when he found that I had cliff notes to like catcher of the rye, I, I was punished. (laughs) He's like, I didn't come to this country for you to read cliff notes. So, So it was that Saturnian energy where I was like, okay, I'll have to read the entire book. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's just really interesting. The combination of, it's not the light and the dark, but it's, there's no negative. It's just about the way that you're utilizing those ingredients to, um, get the highest potential of your specific experience uh, at that exactly. moment right it's like you're the spiritual architect that's what it is
1: that's all very true except yeah we can't ex- that we can't be we have to remember that there's a lot of people at a lot of stages of life true and uh, saturn rules the Muladhara chakra Mm. Uh, and he is the Data Chakra planet. And the instinct of that is security and survival. And he is the planet of contraction. So when people get dominatingly fearful and it's contractive, he will pull your energy down your spine and people can get very negative and even dark. So, so Whereas if Jupiter was having a bad moment, he might be like a happy look, luck, happy-go-lucky guy wasting his time. You, you, you see, like, yes. but if Saturn gets uh, in a difficult condition, uh, which there's a lot of that going on right now, but because of, of a pandemic and everything, then Saturn uh, is status as the first-class malefic is easily seen. Uh, But even when he becomes a first-class malefic, then he's known as the planet of blocks and obstacles. And And when we get blocked and suffer obstacles, our ego doesn't like it at all. And so, uh, of course, we'll just hope that it will go away. But Saturn's very patient, so he doesn't usually go away. The block remains. So after a certain point in time, we will say, I'm tired of not feeling good. I'm tired of this area of my life not working. And then you'll humble yourself and you'll say, OK, negotiations are over. What do I need to do to change? Like, I'm and you become open. So Saturn, even when he causes challenge and obstacle and difficulty, eventually he's the most effective planet in making people grow, it's because pain. not every not everybody will yeah. go and get their Ph.D. at the university that because their master's wasn't good enough, which is like Jupiter, who already had wisdom. Wanting more wisdom, but everybody gets tired of suffering. You see, so you saw, and so uh, and when suffering comes, it makes us yeah. say, "Where did I get out of attunement with the wisdom of life? Where did I get out of attunement with spiritual wisdom and the wisdom of nature?" So, so, so Saturn is a very. So I totally agree with what you're saying, uh, because but you were speaking as the person you are which is a very positive spiritually minded person where we see all of the positive potential uh, but astrologers sometimes run into people like if you study just in the newspaper public figures and that uh, and you see unrepentant people who are manipulating yeah, and course. controlling you know then uh, then he's uh he's a tough one i'm not gonna I won't say anymore. I don't want to get into any trouble. But.
0: <laughs> no, I could always edit it out though, but but can we quickly just, you know, like I was always, can we quickly, I was always interested in knowing which planets influence the chakras. So we know that Saturn is all about the, you know, of the roots of being the foundation. What would be, as we, you know, rise up, what would be the planets that are influenced with their chakras? Or that are connected
1: to. We can do it from bottom to top because that is most connected to the journey we're taking. Because we're in, yeah. we're in physical we're in physical bodies. We're on planet Earth, so we are obviously affected by the Earth element. The Muladhara chakra is the Earth element, which is called Prithvi, uh, and the planet is Saturn. The uh, sacral center, which is called Swadhisthan, is uh, Jupiter. Uh, or Guru. The Saturn in India is called Shani, and Jupiter is called Guru. The uh, navel region is the fire element, that is Mars, Mangal. The heart chakra is Venus, uh, Shukra. The throat chakra which is Anahata chakra. The navel is called Manipur. The uh, heart center is called uh, Anahata chakra. The throat center is called Vishuddhi chakra and that is ether, and that is Mercury, who's called Buddha. The Ajna chakra has a positive pole and a negative pole. Okay. The, negative, the negative pole is the medulla oblongata, at the base where the neck and the skull meets in the back, where there's that little the indentation. occiput? Where you have that little indentation mm-hmm. there. Just, uh, that is the moon, uh, and... Uh, oh. The, and the third eye is the sun. And the thousand-petaled lotus is beyond astrology because the the duality is born in the Ajna Chakra with two petals. You see, so when you go to the thousand-petaled lotus, that's a symbol of going beyond name and form mm. into the pure consciousness. So if you're working with the thousand-petaled uh, uh, being open, it would be unusual for you to bother with astrology, you see. It would, it would be, uh, you're beyond it. So then there's two main nerve channels, two nadis, on that go on the left and the right side of the astral spinal column uh, in yoga. These are called the ida and the pingala. And the ida, it's not that the ida is only on the left and the pingala is only on the right Uh as I understand it, it's the polarity of the energy of yeah. the Ida is on the left, and the polarity of the energy of the Pingala was on the right. I was in a very holy place called Laverna in uh, Italy. Uh, it's a mountain retreat in central northern, well, kind of mid-north Italy. It's where St. Francis had a mountain that a duke gave him. And St. Francis went in deep seclusion there, and he received the stigmata from a seraphim, got the wounds of Christ. And he was the first saint ever to get these wounds of Christ. Well, I was at that place, a very holy place, very powerful. It's kind of like being in India. Uh, and uh, and I was walking up a trail, and I was thinking about Rahu and Ketu and about Are they really on the left and the right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And Rahu and Ketu are considered to be the head and the tail of the serpent. And just when I was thinking about this, this snake came out of the bushes and, and was going back and forth the way they do. And it was an answer. To my prayer, and so so, and I said, "Oh, I get it now." So that the energy goes back and forth between the two, but the Rahu is the side that is representing energy coming in to manifestation, and that's female energy, and Ketu represents the energy that is beyond manifestation, mm-hmm. and that is a male energy. So um, Ketu and Rahu are called the Chaya Grahas. Uh, Chaya means shadow, uh, and they have to do with the ida and the pingala and with breathing. When you inhale, that is uh, energy moving through the ida, going upward, because you have a desire to live and it makes energy rise through the ida and that causes you to inhale which is to get oxygen and that when you say when you breathe for oxygen that's the same as saying I want to live I want to have experience and when you exhale it's like a withdrawal and it's like uh, and that is okay I had the experience now I di- I'll digest it I'll withdraw and go inside so in Vedic astrology Rahu Uh, is the planet R-A-H-U, which Western astrology calls the North Node of the Moon. Uh, It is associated with the Ida, And Ketu, K-E-T-U, is the planet, it's called the South Node of the Moon in Western astrology. And it is associated with the Pingala. And the symbol of Rahu is a head without a body. And the symbol of Ketu is a yogi meditating without a head uh, and and, oh. uh wow. and 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 they theoretically are complementary energies but in fact in most people's chart they're usually in civil war at first and k2 shows your deepest oldest uh karmic tendency in you which is rather subliminal Uh, And Rahu shows the opposite direction and energy of that, that you will have to learn about in this lifetime. And if you get good advice about that, you'll do it consciously. If you don't get advice about it, it will be kind of trial and error. You'll kind of bumble your way to it eventually, Uh, uh, because these are the only two planets in astrology that are forever more or less exactly opposite. And there's no other two planets that are always opposite. So they are the symbol of duality, you see, and how we have to balance out our energy. And if you were to think of two children on a seesaw in the playground, right, and one child is 80 pounds, and the other child is 40 pounds. You see, so K2 is the 80 pounder. He represents your oldest, your oldest deeper karmic tendency. Right. And everyone goes. It's like water running downhill. You go that direction because it's a habit, deepest karmic habit. Uh, and then, but if you go keep going strongly in one direction with your energy, uh, it's like it's like taking a rubber band. And holding the two ends of the rubber band loosely, like uh, like this, and then stretching the rubber band to one direction, and then you let the further you stretch it, when you let go, it will go that far farther in the opposite direction. So this world we live in is called dwaita or duality, and if you get too far on with desire and attachment on one and habit on one side, the universe will block you and push you to the opposite experience. So, so Rahu is the opposite to Ketu, and it's what you will have to learn how to do. Uh, and if you are living in a spiritual center where people kind of know these things to some degree, like in the Ananda community when I was growing up, uh, growing up spiritually not uh i mean i was in my 20s but uh but we had a saying because it was a spiritual community people were always given jobs that they would grow into uh, and if if for example a really great if a really great accountant came along and our accounting department was messed up but that accountant was really identified with being an accountant so they had a the whole ego identity about they would never get the accounting job they would get sent to the garden or the kitchen uh, and if someone uh because your own spiritual growth came before the functionality of the community so we had people that were very humble as leaders we had people that could remember being kings and queens in their last lifetime, working in the garden, pulling weeds. And if they couldn't get over it, they would leave. So so um, people would always get put in a job that was not their comfort zone that they would grow into. And that only changed after years and years when there were bank loans and things, and we had to be forced into being practical. You know, to pay, pay you know to pay things off and so on. So, so find your Rahu in your horoscope, and that will tell you what you have to develop in your life. Find your Ketu in your horoscope, and that will tell you what you like doing automatically. But if you only did that automatic thing, you would get stagnant eventually, and yes, then you would. Yes, it's dense. I- you you wouldn't know I love it but I don't know why I'm feeling stagnant I don't know why I'm feeling stuck and eventually that feeling stuckness would make you well not in every case because some people are fearful and they they choose sameness and uh, status quo and boredom over spiritual adventurism but you kind of have
0: comfortable being yeah but they feel comfortable being this you know not comfortable yeah
1: or they're like Yogananda said, they become psychological antiques. You see, so so so. In any oh. case, so in any case, find your Rahu. Like I love solitude. My K2 is in the house of solitude. My Rahu is in the house of service. My guru has given me a lot of service to do, and one of my major tests to do the service that I'm required to do is to let go of my attachment to solitude, you see, you see, you see, and uh, and it's it's like that for anyone I've ever met, including great souls like Swami Kriyananda, That uh, I could tell you a long story about that. So uh, it's very interesting. You get a roadmap of how energy wants to evolve and flow. Uh, and I'm not saying my way of looking at it is the only way, but people seem to find that it works for them most of the time. So uh,
0: now just... it's amazing, you know. Now that I'm go- I'm going to go back and re-listen to um, the Vedic astrology that you have read for me, you know, it, what I, going back now, it seems like um, speaking about K2 and Rahu, um, there's so much depth now, I feel like I needed to go through in the past year and a half, I think that was when we I don't even remember when we had our session. But it was probably about at least a year it was before COVID, for sure. It was Uh,
1: uh, maybe a year and a half ago or a year and a quarter ago, something like that.
0: Yes, yes, certainly. Um, Now going through what i've gone through right in human form spiritual form in the past from 2019 to now 2021 going back and re-listening there's so much more depth because there's maturation there's there was a global awakening from the macrocosm but also the microcosm of the awakening within because during times when there's a global constriction right there was a lot of saturnian energy we needed yeah, um, we needed to be that guidepost. We needed to realize that all we have is within. The answers are within. Um, so going back now to the to the astrology um, reading that you did for me I just feel like there's going to be so much more depth um and each time because I did re-listen to it and each time I re-listened to it I heard something brand new because it was as if like you know each each day either like some of some of the Saturnian energy shed off a little bit you know and and I and there was there was more clarity like the, the veil of illusion started dropping and I was able to hear hear the words that were always there so um you know i'm this this is going to air in I, I, all of my clients that were asking me about Vedic astrology and as opposed to Western astrology, how, um, what, first of all, what are the differences between the two? And then, second, how can someone actually get in contact with you? I know there's a long waiting list um, to have an appointment with you. But for those that are just experienced Vedic astrology for the first time and are very immersed in, especially now with, with um, social media, like it's, we always have, um, people are very much immersed in in Western astrology with the new moon and the the new moon and the full moon. And they have, what is the difference between the two?
1: Uh, There's a fundamental technical difference. And then there's a whole lot of kind of stylistic differences. Uh, I would say in the most general way, that Indian culture is transcendental. When you see that bumper sticker that says, "I'm a soul having a human experience," that is very much like Indian culture. They, in their DNA, believe in reincarnation, and they don't—they don't take one lifetime so seriously. You know, it's like this is a marathon race, and uh, right. they're they're rather detached and I'm not saying everyone is I mean there's a lot of people there and western astrology people believe was uh, coming from Greece or perhaps Greece and Persia the near east it's not as old Greece was is a humanistic or was a humanistic culture and the humanistic culture is about maximizing your human characteristics right so, so uh, as opposed to your soul characteristics but so so what my teacher taught and i'm not saying that this is you know that everyone will agree but this is how i think and i was a western astrology student for seven years and oh, wow. i enjoyed it but this is where we get into the zodiac the zodiac of western astrology is called the tropical zodiac And it is not considering any stars at all. It is based on the seasons of the year uh, of the northern hemisphere of the planet. So we divide the year into the four seasons. We divide each season into three steps of time, beginning, middle, and end. And so now we have 12 mini seasons. And these are the sun signs. Uh, it's caused by the Earth going around the sun. But if we were indigenous people living on the planet without the benefit of science, it would be the sun that we would be observing moving around the sky. So 12 steps of, <laughs> of the sun moving around the sky. Uh, and so if, for example, you're a Leo and you don't know the technical part of astrology in Western astrology, Leo means that you were born in the middle of summer on the northern hemisphere of the planet. Uh, and one thing that I find curious, and that maybe may, may become a discussion in Western astrology someday, but it's not my problem because I'm um, into yogic <laughs> astrology, is that when, India, when Westerners went below the equator to Argentina, New Zealand, and Australia, the seasons are reversed. So the middle of August oh, in Australia yes. is, the de- is the dead of winter. Right. And it is supposed to be the time when the sun is strongest and the sun is not strongest there. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of like the elephant in the room from my point of view, like uh, totally. that they've kind of, uh, you know, I'm sure someone would have some explanation for that. I don't, Like I said, it's not my interest. I'm just raising it, the question. So uh, maybe someday tropical astrology will reverse the signs for below the equator. Maybe, Maybe not. But in Indian astrology, the signs are equivalent to the astronomical constellations. So Aries is the constellation of Aries. Taurus is the constellation of Taurus. And that will work on the North Pole. It will work on the South Pole. It will work anywhere on the planet. Uh, Nothing in Western astrology is considered outside of our solar system. And if you realize that the Milky Milky Way galaxy is 200 billion stars or something like that. Um, And we're not even looking outside of our solar system, which is basically like a molecule, like a... Tiny little place. Then that would be like climbing the tallest hill in your neighborhood to see North America. You, you're not going to see. Uh, Western astrology is more up close and personal. You see, and it's a, and that symbolism of focusing on the solar system is focusing more on the projection of your personality power outwardly right. to the world around you. And on that level, it works very well on a humanistic of expressing of your personal qualities outwardly. But there's this saying, you can't judge a book by its cover. And even if a person was a talk show host and had a lot of gracious personality when dealing with people, they right. could still go, go into their yoga room and do sadhana, and meditate, and go much deeper than that personality. And kind of, uh, as St. Paul says in the Bible, I die daily. And what he means is he went into breathless meditation. Uh, and wow. that, that would be leaving the, the personality behind, do you, do you see. So so there are a few that I've known over the years that look at both the Western chart but of course that would totally confuse the client like if you talk about both of them they wouldn't be able to uh, keep up to change your western chart to your indian you need to move all your planets backwards a certain number of degrees and the word for this is called the number of gre- degrees between the tropical zodiac based on the seasons of the year Mm-hmm. and the sidereal zodiac based on the stars in the sky. Wow. And uh, the number is that there are about 10 different opinions about what this correction could be. I use the one from my tradition of Yogananda called the Sri Yukteswar Ayanamsha. There is another one that is more popular called the Lahiri Ayanamsha. Lahiri uh, and it's about a degree and 20 minutes bigger. But oh, it's wow. in the area of 22 to 24 degrees. All all of the opinions are between 22 and 24 degrees. So you would move everything in your chart backwards. So, for example, what is your birthday?
0: December 31st, 1975.
1: Okay. So in Western astrology, you are a Capricorn, right? Right. You see, and but your son was in front of the stars of Sagittarius right. uh, when when you were born. Now Capricorn. Now, if you were raised in a humanistic kind of just personality oriented way, then Capricorn might have a father that comes into your room and says, "You have cliff notes, and how could you possibly have right. cliff notes?" Uh, and because nobody is harder working than Capricorn. Capricorns like are awesome, they will do the work, you know? But Sagittarius is the most inspirational, truth-seeking oriented sign that exists. So would you say, most Capricorn people would be similar to my parents when I got interested in spirituality and I moved to California and they tried to manipulate me back to college by saying this would be the last year they would continue to pay. They said that for seven years before.
0: Oh, that. I had that, too.
1: Before <laughs> the they came up, they said it. So, so, And they said, can't you just do the spiritual stuff on the weekend? That would be a typical. Now, I don't want to say that that's true, because in Indian astrology, Capricorns can be very spiritual because they have a tradition of spirituality there but in our culture, we have more of a tradition of achievement in your outer life. So so most Capricorns in Western society would pursue practical goals first, and then maybe get around to philosophical goals. But with Sagittarius, it's exactly the opposite, because Sagittarius has tons of enthusiasm if he believes in what he's doing. But if he doesn't believe in what he's doing, he'll get bored and just say, I, I can't do this. There's, there's no way I'm selling insurance. You know, I, I can't do it unless I really unless I really believe in the insurance, and it's a good thing, and I'm helping the world. See, so, so
0: you Very tell me,
1: are you more of a Capricorn son or a Sagittarius Saturn- son?
0: I have, I have the rebellious energy within as the Sagittarius and coming from a family that wanted structure, that wanted make sure that I got educated. And so I have a degree in education and then I furthered my studies in, um, in computer science, but throughout my, the years I was. Um, doing readings, like, and since I was a little girl, I was the four Claires, And they were trying to put me into a box. And then in my early 20s, I said, enough is enough, I have to follow the path of not practicality. But actually, it was the quest of spirituality. And that in itself, you know, it's 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 the deep philosophy you know philosophy the spiritual aspect the fire that is within but i'm very um disciplined like a capricorn but passionate like the sagittarius and the esoteric the mysticism the, the divine truth and trying to help others be you know be the vessel of helping others see their potential see well, their
1: potential you that is a good explanation of what you in, hinted at before of a sort of marriage between Jupiter and Saturn. Yes.
0: Because, <laughs>
1: because uh, there's a lot of inspirational people, but they can't organize their energies. So it's pretty much they're just inspired people, but they're not able to share it in a big way. And there's plenty of people who are really organized and they can get businesses organizations happening but they're not particularly inspirational but uh, jupiter is the most in a generic sense because we're talking planets not people right here you know right. so, so so jupiter is the most inspirational planet everyone loves jupiter he's like positive and optimistic and warm and upbeat but capricorn's the one that got the uh, you know the the mailing list they emailed and got everyone there and uh, and uh, and Capricorn is the one that uh, will follow through on all the you know classes and courses and and all that stuff and that's even not being fair to Saturn and Capricorn because on a mystical level Saturn can get very deep and still and he can become like a sage you know, he can become like, and he's got the power of concentration. So he's not only just a worker. Saturn can be like Buddha. He can be like Shiva. So, uh, which are sages, you know, wisdom, wisdom type of energy. So my experience is that people that are going into deeper spirituality will relate to their Vedic chart. Uh, and the uh, people that are more on a humanistic <laughs> level might be just happy with the Western chart. And they're just functioning on different octaves. Uh, they, right. both work, they both work and it's not that one is right and the other is wrong. And uh, most of the psychologists in the world that do astrology do it with uh, Western astrology. And a lot right. of them are Jungian oriented. And you know it can be very good. I was a Western astrologer, and for one year, I had a little bit of a crisis because I was looking at—I was living in a community with about fifty people, and I knew all their charts. And I was looking at both charts in my mind, it's like they would—they thought I was having like mental issues because <laughs> I was looking at them, and I like had one side of it and then the other. Right. And, well, after one year of doing that, I just saw the Vedic chart so it wasn't a decision it wasn't a choice it was just how I am so and then so I just speak from that level and it seems to work but the bottom line about astrology or numerology or you know all the various metaphysical ways of giving information what's more most important is the clarity of the practitioner than the system itself you see, so, is, so it's really you reading the chart, which makes it pertinent. So any of them can give good information with uh, a good reader or a good practitioner.
0: It's being the translator. And on that note, the Sagittarius in me that was deeply inspired and completely blessed with teachers and gurus like you Um I, you know, I thank you for your time. I thank you for your wisdom. I am so blessed to have connected with you in this particular lifetime, again, um, on this journey. And if people want to get in contact with you, what is the best way for them to connect with you if this is something that their um, soul is leading them to?
1: Well, this is... uh... A funny point for me, because I did I a podcast for Jaiden Singh with his uh, Life Force Academy. I didn't give my contact information, and still, that was about a year and a half ago, and probably 100 people have found me since then. And Oh, yeah. And I've booked out six months at the moment. So if I give out my contact information, I'll be booked out a year. <laughs>
0: so so how so how about this how about i will hold that contact information or for those of you that want to get in contact with drupada if your soul is leading you on that path then please contact me and um if then you'll be on a wait list absolutely if the you know if the stars and the constellations the vedic constellations the planets align um if it's meant to be to be blessed with a reading with you, then so be it. But I thank you with your beautiful heart and what you're serving people with on this planet, your wisdom, your love, your soul purpose. I'm so happy that you don't go into the the um, key to of the isolation when you're with me and you are out there and open and sharing this beautiful um you, you set people free from their own isolation of their souls by just your presence. So thank you, thank you, thank you for being you.
1: Well, thank you for your kind words. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you today. And uh, blessings to everybody.
0: Blessings. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Okay, all
1: right. God bless you. Take care.
0: You too. So wasn't that great? It was, um, he inspires my heart. Truly, he does. You know, every time I actually hear that interview or I listen to my recording of my session, there's so much depth. I, I rediscover something that perhaps was channeled in, but I just didn't hear it before. You have to be at a different place, I guess, in your life or internalize or ingest the wisdom that you've gone through. So I hope that you it left you smiling and inspired. So... Be sure to leave five stars and a beautiful review, and I will see you all next time. Namaste. Love you.